Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Thanks to Pine Cove Summer Camps for supporting the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. You guys, the Ivy kids are going to camp. They love Pine Cove. We have been sending our kids to Pine Cove for years and years and years. And here's why. Because we trust Pine Cove. We trust their counselors. We trust their mission. And it is such a fun experience for my kids. Check out pinecove.com and use the code HAPPYHOUR250 for $250 off a first-time overnight youth camp registration. That's pinecove.com. Use the code HAPPYHOUR250. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey y'all, Jamie here, and I'm back with the second episode where my friend Jasmine Holmes joins me. So if you didn't hear Wednesday's episode, uh, listen to it whenever you want. They don't build on each other, but they're both awesome. So I think you should listen to both of them. But today, Jasmine's back, and we're talking about two other women that she writes about in her book, Carved in Ebony, Lessons from the Black Women Who Shape Us. And today, we talk about one of the women, which is her favorite woman that she did research on. And then the last one that we talked about, Mariah, is was my favorite one to read about in her book. So this is a really fun conversation today because both of us really were moved, A, by all of these women, but we have special things about each of these women that we love. So we talk about that today. We also talk about what it was like for enslaved people to develop and have and and pursue Jesus and their faith in the midst of their enslavement. We talk about how so often in our history and our culture, um, the Bible was used to say that slavery was okay. And Jasmine, I had Jasmine, I have a great conversation about that. We also talk about a lot more books. I told you guys last week, if you like to read, these are the conversations you want to hear because Jasmine gives us a list of amazing books. And we talk about the challenge that she's leading on Instagram called Reading Everybody Black, a challenge really challenging us as readers to read more black authors this year. And so I definitely am going to lean into that and see what Jasmine is talking about over there. And I encourage you to do that as well. If you want the show notes, go to jamieivy.com and you can find them all under the podcast page. And you guys, I mentioned this last episode, but I want to say it again. If you want to watch our episodes, we have now started putting every single episode that we create up on my YouTube channel. It's easy to find. Go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube and you can find the entire recording there. So if you're a YouTube person or you want to put it on the background when you're cleaning your house or whatever you're doing, go to my YouTube channel. You can subscribe and you can see all of the entire interview right there. And then at the very end of the podcast, we talk about Jasmine's newest book. She is just a writing machine. It's called Never Cast Out and it comes out next week. So stay tuned at the end of the show to hear us talk about that. All right, you guys, here is my second conversation with my friend, Jasmine Holmes. Jasmine, welcome back to the happy hour in the same week. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me. 
Guys, if you miss the show on Wednesday, you, you, you can listen to this one now. They don't build off each other. But I highly suggest you go listen to it because it was really, really exciting. And Jasmine and I were talking about her book, Carved in Ebony, where it's really lessons from the black women who shaped us. And we talked about two specific women on Wednesday. We talked about we talked about Elizabeth and Francis. And so today we're going to talk about two more women. But I want to kind of touch on something that you mentioned at the end of last week's at the end of last episode. You told me that you read a hundred books last year, Jasmine, and I just am still in awe over this. And so can you talk about this for a minute? How, how does one read a hundred books in one year? First of all, don't be in awe. I am in somebody, awe. No, because somebody on the internet told me that audiobooks do not count. That's for a books lie. Read. That's a lie from the if pit. That's of, the case. That's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> if that's the case, but I did not read 100 books last year. Um, but if audiobooks count, I do just a lot of audiobooks. I have okay. three kids. And so it's just like while I'm cleaning the kitchen, while I'm doing carpool, while I'm falling asleep, I take a bath every single night. I do too, Jasmine. To me. Do you really? Yes. I'm a bath person. Yes. <laughs> I'm a bath person. And so nobody's allowed to come in or talk to me. And I have an audiobook playing while I turn into a prune. Oh, um, I love it. So yeah, I just, I, I love an audiobook. I'm listening to Bono's book on um, an audiobook. And here's when I love listening to audiobooks. Memoirs, especially if the the author writes it. Like Bono's reading it. Uh, Matthew McConaughey read his. I want to listen mm-hmm. to old Prince Harry's book, you know, and I hear that he reads it. Uh, have you read it or listened? I have not. I So people always accuse me of not being um, patriotic because of the kind of history that I do. But my one area of patriotism is I could not care less about the monarchy. I'm just like, but we're we're, we're free. <laughs> I literally like I have some friends who have like they like have parties for the weddings and, and all the things. Yes. And I yes. am not that far in. But I love I love a little bit of drama. I'm not gonna lie. And so he is definitely there. I, sure. I watched their special on Netflix and I was in and I was like convinced that Aaron and I could be friends with Harry and Megan. Uh they could come <laughs> stay at our house if they needed to. I doesn't add up to Tyler Perry's, but you know what it is. But I have heard that his book throws a little shade in there. So I'm I'm here for that. I mean, I've definitely heard that. Have you read um did you read um, Viola Davis's memoir no but it's on my list does she read it oh, of course she does yes and it is so it's good and it's heartbreaking and it's not that long either it's I read it that was my I think one of the, the first book that I finished this year it was so good how many have you read so far it's January 24th do you know what number you're up to 10 10 okay good for you I think I told you in the last episode I, I literally I, have eight books that I'm in process which I, is terrible and that was me yeah, that was me. They were like all in process together. And then I finished all, of, you know, I finished I like Steyer finished them. So it's not like I January 1st started and then right. Read. One That's how I am too. That's how I am too. Um, I, I love so so on Audible, I love listening to memoirs and then fiction. But if it's a book that I want to like, like, for example, your book carved in ebony, I don't know that I would well, I could listen to that on Audible. It feels like a story about someone's life and stuff. But yeah. your new book that's coming out, I'm going to ask you at the end of the episode, I definitely would want to put that in my hands and hold it because I know I'd want to highlight and, and star and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how I determine if I'm going to hold it in my hands or listen to my ears. Yeah. And I don't read any of my audiobooks ever. So what do you mean? Um, that's always interesting. I never, I never am the reader. I'm never the narrator for how my How come? Audiobooks. You don't want to? Uh, I don't. I just am. I... I'm a, I cannot think of anything 
that I would like to do less than to hear myself talk for 24 hours. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, the reason I, just, I do mine, yeah. what's funny about me is I can't believe I have this job because I misuse words all the time. Like I'll just, I, I like I did a whole Instagram story the other day and after I got done, Aaron said, you said this word four times and it doesn't even make sense. Like that word doesn't even belong in that sentence. And I'm like, I know it's just what pops into my head. So I, I misuse words all the time. I, I have some speech impediment issues, like for real. And um, and I'm a podcaster. Like it just doesn't make sense. And so I think the only reason they asked me to read my books is because people are used to hearing my voice. But I cannot tell you how many times we have to start over and they're like, that's not how you say that word. And it's not even like a hard word. It's like a normal word. And I'm like, oh, okay. So anyhow, it's hard. It's hard. It it's- is. And I know it is. And so I'm just like, oh, so I... I- Philip is like, well, what, what would it take? What would it take? I'm like, thousands of dollars. He's like, to read your own book. I'm like, yes. And they're not paying anyone to read their own book thousands of dollars. They're not so. paying to read their own book. And I'm like, but they'll pay her to read it. So that's good. I'm stimulating the economy. There you go. somebody else read the book. I'm giving back. I'm giving someone a job. I love it. I love it. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Well, Jasmine, I'm happy that we get to have a conversation again about two more women. And um, 
I, I want everyone to know that as we have these conversations, that that you have a book where it dives into all ten of these ladies. It's called Carved in Ebony. Mm-hmm. Um, I read it. The adult there's an adult version and a young adult version, and so I also got the young adult version for my daughter. And we talked about this a bit on the last shows about why these stories matter, and we both individually said why they matter to us. And I think I want to speak mm-hmm. as a mom for a second. Um, is these stories matter to our daughters. It doesn't matter if they're if they're black, brown, it doesn't matter, white. These stories matter. And so they matter for me a lot. My daughter is black, and so that matters to me. If I had a white daughter, I would also want these stories to matter to her too. So I just want to encourage you as you're listening, if you're a mom, these are great stories to sit down and read with your kids and not even just your daughter, although I'm like reading them with my daughter, but they're just great stories in general to sit down and read with your family, with your kids, because we talked last week about so often our heroes in the faith um, look like me, which is white. And so let's jump in. Are you ready, Jasmine? Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, we're going to start with Charlotte. And you mentioned her in the last episode, I think, as being um, someone affiliated with, uh, or she knew, who did she knew? Francis? She was born in, uh, or she was raised in the same town where uh, Elizabeth Freeman kind of like got freedom. And, oh, where Elizabeth Freeman you know. was. Got it. Okay, so this is Charlotte yeah. Fortin Grimke. Is that how you say her last name? Mm-hmm. Okay, Charlotte Fortin Grimke, uh, who was a teacher, and this is the quote that you start the, the chapter with her. It says, my heart sings a song of thanksgiving at the thought that I am permitted to do something for a long abused race. And so let's talk about Charlotte. She was a teacher, but tell us about her life. So Charlotte's my favorite. She um, is? Of all of the 10 women, she is my absolute favorite. I I was devastated um, last year. A book about the Grimkes came out, and it was I was like, no. It was going to be me. <laughs> so I was so sad. And my husband was like, well, you can still write one. And I was like, I can't. She wrote it how I want to write it. Mm. It's so good. And I can't even. It's What's done. the name it's of done. the book? She did it. Um, it's just called The Grimkeys. Okay. And a lot of people know the Grimke family because of Angelina Weld Grimke or Grimke Weld and Sarah Grimke, who were two white Quaker abolitionist women. And so if you know about abolitionist history, there are two names that come up also in uh, Sue Monk Kids imitation of wings oh. um which is like an old book yeah, but yeah. um they're mentioned in there and so when you say grim keys are like oh but what people don't know a lot of the times is that there are these black grim keys and so the thing about charlotte is that she's born a fortin the fortins are this really like illustrious abolitionist family in philadelphia james fortin was a ship build, a shipbuilder a sailmaker um and he so he his grandfather um, was able to buy his freedom. And so James was just raised um, free, joined mm-hmm. the Revolutionary War at the age of 14, um, apprenticed to a sailmaker, got the sailmaker's business when the sailmaker died and just made his fortune and just funneled all of the money that he could into the abolitionist cause. And so that's like Charlotte's granddad and her aunts are teachers and poets and abolitionist speakers who kind of run in the same circles as, you know, as Francis and as a lot of other abolitionist speakers and thinkers. Um, And Charlotte grows up kind of living in everybody's shadow and thinking, what am I ever going to do that's going to amount to what my family has done? Um, and she ends up becoming a teacher. And then after the Civil War, she goes down south and she teaches for um, the Port Royal Experiment. So the Port Royal Experiment was one of a few similar experiments where during the Civil War, um, Union soldiers would come in and 
the enslaved would flock to their camps, what was called contraband camps. Oh, yeah. um, and so they would go and um, once they got to the camps, eventually the law said that they were declared free because they were contraband of war um, in the same way that if you, you know, if the soldiers were to go and they were to raid the storehouses of the Southerners, the um, objects and the property that they took would be contraband of war. That's kind of the same category that they put the enslaved under. And, and they're, so, but they're people. Um, the, the contraband is people. The contraband is people. So these contraband camps mm -hmm. kind of start sprouting up. Um, and the Port Royal experiment seeks to give the formerly enslaved employment and to kind of prove to the American people, hey, we can free these people yeah. and they will work for money and it's when you think about it it's kind of, it's ridiculous mm -hmm. like of course they'll work for money they've been working for free for all this time um but so charlotte goes down to port royal and becomes a teacher to the formerly enslaved and she keeps a diary the entire time and she also writes a couple of articles for what we now know as the atlantic about her experience on the sea islands and um there's this entire culture of the sea islands because these enslaved people would work out on islands off of the coast of South Carolina and their enslavers would live like in the state, right. not, not off of the coast. Uh -huh. And so there's this whole culture of people, this whole black culture that kind of takes place and forms apart from um, the culture of white Americans. And so she's just coming in as a folklorist and just kind of recording things and telling people about them. And so her work is actually really important um, when it comes to learning about those cultures and experiences. She was a teacher there for a short time, then she moved to D.C., and that's where she met Frances Kripke, um, who is 13 years younger than her. So, like, get it? Ooh, get go, it, girl. Um, mm -hmm. Look, I was like, and he, Frances, my husband laughs at me all the time because I look at these old black and white pictures. I'm like, he's cute. Oh. Like, he's so dead. He's so weird. <laughs> like, he's so they were like a really striking, gorgeous couple, uh -huh. and they're the cream of the crop because he's a Grimke and the Grimke family is, is super well known the white Grimkes are and they've taken Francis and his brother Archibald under their wings um, Francis was born into slavery the Grimke sisters found out their brother had an enslaved son and so they like paid for his education and he went to Princeton and he's the pastor of this really like elite black Presbyterian church and then he's married to Charlotte who's from this illustrious family so they're like the black elite like wow they're just doing in dc um and yeah her life is just really cool and the connections of her life are really cool um which is what i love about the book the grimkeys i was upset i was so partially i was like i can't believe she wrote this without me uh -huh. and then Hello. the other part was like i was like hi i was here the whole time um and then the other part of it was i was like oh, i wish it would have been here so i could use it for research because i was having to like go and do you know a bunch of different things and yeah. put stuff together and you just put it all together and it's such a cool story this is probably who you were talking about last episode when you said someone kept a really in-depth journal that was helpful would it be, have yes. been charlie yeah yes. so clear this up for me real mm -hmm. quick and i hope this doesn't um isn't a dumb question so he took on the name grimke from the women the sisters who found out their brother had an enslaved had a slave and then they sent him to school and he took on their name no those were his aunts so his father was a slaveholder who raped an enslaved woman and that was his son so he was a grimke wow um but you know he was a slave yeah so his yeah. father was white mm -hmm. he raped his slave they had mm -hmm. this child um, three children three children did the sisters mm -hmm. free all three they so it happened like during this it was during the civil war and so they were already kind of like 
things were in flux Mm -hmm. so they didn't necessarily free them but they got free yeah 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 i read a book i wish i could think of the name of it a handful of years ago i'm going to try to remember this book that it was the story revolved around a boy who was conceived just like you just said which Mm -hmm. i mean you can kind of tell us this was very very this was something that wouldn't have been uncommon Super common and unique to America is the fact that so in England, um, they the common law basically said that if an if a white man were to father a child with an enslaved woman, then that child would be considered free and the white father would have to provide for that child in the same way as if he had fathered a child Mm. with any other woman Mm -hmm. Um, that illegitimate child would have the same rights to the father as any other kind of illegitimate child and the law could come after him for those rights. Yeah. In America, they switched it and said, you know what, actually the child's condition follows that of the mother. And so there was no kind of like penalty or rights that any um, slave holding father had to his enslaved child who was enslaved by nature of his mother. So if a woman ran away from slavery and ended up having 10 kids while she was free, if she got caught, her 10 children who had never been on the plantation were the property mm. of the father, the enslaver, just like the mother was. Mm. So much is wrong with this, obviously. Um, also, just from a man-woman thing. I mean, I'm like, well, here we are again, like men do whatever the heck you want and you're not accountable for it. Like, it's just, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot here. Um, yeah. Okay, so that she marries him is what we're what we're all getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. underlined something in here when I was reading this, Jasmine, and I had no idea how much it would be relatable to you. It says that she read a hundred books in a year as a teenager, and so you and Charlotte are like so in common. Look at you guys <laughs> reading all these books, but that would have been she's reading like Paradise Lost and like, <laughs> and I there's mean, no audio books was... either. <laughs> Oh, she was she was doing the work. But that would have been a really, really profound thing as well. I mean, you know, to be reading 100 books in a year at that age, first of all, and in her culture and climate yeah. that she would have been in that. I mean, she really she she really was educating herself as well. She just felt so much pressure. Like she really, really wanted to live up to everything that her family was. Mm. When you read her journal, you know, she just is comparing herself to her family. She lives with another abolitionist family. And so she's comparing herself to this other abolitionist woman and just like, ah, if only I was remarkable like them, like Mm. if only, you know, and so she was really, she was chasing hard. Which it's so interesting because we can sit here, you know, all these hundreds of years later and go like, oh, you were doing so much amazing stuff. Like how much time was wasted Mm -hmm. on wishing you could be like someone else. And I'm like, God, isn't that the common theme of all of our lives of, you know, since the beginning of time of I'm just not as good as someone else. And so you you mentioned the, the sea island that she went down and she became an educator to people on the island, right? And you said they yes, had their own did. culture and all that. Do we see any remaining? Does that remain anywhere? It was South Carolina. Am I correct? Do we see that remaining it anywhere? Was. Yeah, it was the Gullah culture, which a lot of people have worked really hard to um, maintain and to kind of like savor and keep. So mm-hmm. if you go down to those very same areas, um, a book for story to read is Eden's Everdark. It's a middle grade book. Okay. And it's all about a girl going back um, going back, so her mother has died. Her father takes her back home to meet her mother's people, and it's this fantasy, and it's just it's beautiful and atmospheric. But the same culture that Charlotte Fortin 
encountered in the sea islands is the very same culture that this young girl in the 21st century is encountering that's her mother's family so the the island is called the sea islands i'm just trying to think like can can people go like is there still this like culture and everything that would that we would see that um that charlotte experienced there there is. I mean, it's the 21st century version, but there are there are definitely still pockets. There's pockets and there's pockets of people who still speak um, the dialect mm-hmm. as well. That's really, really cool. You guys, I, I'm going to say this, uh, and we have mentioned so many books in last episode and in this episode, and so I don't want you to miss them. Like, I'm going to get off the conversation and go order that one for story right now. But we put all of the links to all the books in our show notes. So if you go to jamieivy.com and click on the podcast link, they're all there. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Thanks to Pine Cove Summer Camps for supporting the happy hour. I know that 2023 has only just begun, but this is actually the perfect time to start thinking about your kids' summer plans. My kids have loved their camp experience at Pine Cove, and here's why. Pine Cove Camps offers a safe place of belonging and community. It's a safe environment where campers often say that they felt free to be themselves without judgment for the first time. Campers have community as well as a shared foundation of gospel truth. Pine Cove Camps is a Christ-centered, others-focused, and seriously fun uh, camp with over 50 years of experience. Every kid is going to hear the gospel. They're going to see it lived out. Their college summer staff are amazing Christian role models that you will definitely want your kids to be around. Start a new summer tradition for your child at Pine Cove this summer with camp locations in Texas, Georgia, and South Carolina. Check out pinecove.com. Use the code HAPPYHOUR250 for $250 off a first-time overnight youth camp registration. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Okay, what do we see about God's life in Charlotte? Uh, His character and how he was with her. Tell me what that means to you. My favorite thing about Charlotte is that she's the daughter of a legacy. Mm. Um, and I relate in a lot of ways. Uh, I do not have a grandfather who was a millionaire sailmaker and one of the richest black men in America, but um, I am a pastor's kid. And so I, I often growing up felt that pressure of like, oh, I have to live up to what people are expecting. I have to, I have to be what people are expecting. And what I love about Charlotte is that she inherited that legacy, but she did her own thing with it. Mm. She, um, Which is you, Jasmine. Up. I'm telling you, you and Charlotte oh. are so much alike. I love her so much. And and we are alike because she goes down to the Sea Islands and this little girl, like, I want to punch her. And she's and she's writing about these people and she's like, oh, they're so ignorant, you know? And like, <laughs> oh, it's so like paternalistic and so privileged. And I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, Charlotte. And I was talking to my girlfriend and she was like, is it because 
is it because you kind of like and I was like I just don't, I don't we don't need that. to talk about that let's talk about Charlotte we don't need to talk about why I relate to her okay I just do um but yeah just the just the being really sheltered being thrown into the real world and learning how much she didn't know about her own culture I relate to that in such a gigantic way um and I think it's a beautiful picture of the legacy that God gives us because this whole book is about legacy and yeah. legacy is not just by blood yeah. And I think that like that importance of the legacy, it even helps us to like even look back and be grateful for like legacies that have shaped us in ways that we didn't even know. You know, I mean, I look back and mm-hmm. I, I remember one time thinking back like my grandfather, my mom's dad, like his faith in informed my mom and my mom informed me, you know, it is just this legacy. It's really, really cool. Yeah. All right, let's go Absolutely. to our last woman, although you, you write about um, more in the book. So but the last one we're going to talk about, um, which was really, really dear to my heart, and this one was. And so we're going to talk about Maria Fearing. Uh, did I say that right? Fearing? Mariah. 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 Oh, thank you for that. Okay, so Mariah Fearing. And here's a quote. Um by someone else about her so here's what it is fully realizing that the end of her life is fast approaching and with the same childlike faith miss fairing is patiently awaiting calm and fearless to welcome the call of the lord and is ever listening to hear the whir and hum of sweet chariot accompanied by a band of angels swing low coming to carry her home so that was said about her so Mm -hmm. she was actually born into slavery in 1838 so give us a little glimpse into her life yeah. Um, so the cool thing about four of the women in the book, three of them were all born in the same year, 1837. Mariah was born the very next year, 1838. And through these, Charlotte was born in 1837. So these two women were born super close to one another, but one was born in freedom in the North and one was born in slavery in the South. And the trajectories of their life and the trajectory of their educations wow. and their ministries yeah. are completely different because of where they were born. Right. And so um, Mariah was enslaved by a Presbyterian um, pastor and his family. And so she was raised in the faith um, by this, by these enslavers. And so had, you know, it's a really complicated situation. Um, but as soon as freedom came, she was in her thirties and decided to go to school and learn how to read. And so I love this picture of her being at the school with these very young people and um, sitting down with them at the table and just learning how to read and just really being a humble person Mm -hmm. working for the school, wanting to learn all she could. um, And she was able to earn a wage working at the school by her own home and just have a lot of security. Um, And so William Shepard was a black missionary to the Congo. He came to the school to speak and Mariah was like, I have to go to the Congo. By this time though, she's 50. Mm. And so the um, missionary association that sent William Shepard to the Congo was like, you're old. I'm sorry. You can't. We're not going to finance this. And every time I tell this story, I'm always like, remember, 50 in the 1880s and 90s is completely different. You're close to the life expectancy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. They're like, you know, even though she lived to be 99, but um, they were they were just like, "Ah, we can't finance you. And she said, cool. She sold her home and financed herself. And she went to the Congo and it was such a treacherous journey. Like you're going by boat to the coast then you're going through jungle you're going over you know you're going over the river you're going over like it it was so it's such an intense journey to even get there and at this time prince leopold of belgium has colonized the congo and um his story is so interesting because it's just like literally he was like everybody else is colonizing somewhere in africa i want a colony in africa and so he went and, and got the congo and it's estimated that over 10 million congolese people were killed during Jeez. Um, Leopold's 
reign in Congo. He mm-hmm. never set foot there, but his principles and tactics of mining rubber um, killed probably 10 million people is the estimate. And so that's kind of where Mariah finds herself just like dropped in the middle of this mm-hmm. um, country where people are being enslaved, forced into mines. If they don't make their quotas, they're having limbs removed. There's lots of pictures of William Shepard with children who don't have arms or don't mm-hmm. have hands um, because that was the punishment for not meeting quotas for the mining. Um, and also because Congolese soldiers were given guns, but they weren't allowed to hunt game with their guns. And so in order to, for every bullet that they fired, they had to bring back a hand of a human to prove that the gun had been used on a human and not on game. So that's where Mariah is. These are the children that she's serving in her Pantops home. It was a home for girls, but she took in boys as well. And she is doing crazy things like bartering a pound of salt for the life of children Um, and just teaching these girls everything that she knows, um, every skill that she knows working as a domestic and working at a school, she is teaching these girls and passing on so they'll have um, skills to be able to make their own money and make their own living someday. Um, Finally, you know, it's been several years and they're like, Mariah, you're tired. You have given so much to Congo. You don't have any teeth left in your mouth, which resonates with me because your girl has bad teeth. And I know that if it was like in the 1800s, I would also have no teeth left in my mouth. So I was like, Mariah, go home. So she goes home, (laughs) she works as a teacher and she never gets to go back, but she saves up enough money and just has it in savings to where if God ever calls her back, she'll Mm -hmm. be able to just hop on a boat and go. Um, But she's a teacher in Alabama. Really? I mean, until she died, she's in her 90s and she's still carting herself off to school and teaching. Mm, Did she ever marry? She didn't, never married, never had any um, biological children. Yeah. It's just the children at the home. Children at the home. A, a couple of things in here that I wanted to, to touch on with you. You mentioned that she was born into slavery. And I believe you said she um, was enslaved until the Emancipation Proclamation um, was mm-hmm. declared. But one thing that you talk about in here that I think is worth mentioning here is how much Christianity was often used as an excuse to keep people like Mariah enslaved. And so can you walk through that a little bit? Cause you know, you, you talk about here that there's so many temptations to downplay the cruelty of slavery and you'll hear things like, yeah. no, 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 the, 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 the people who were enslaving them, they were great people. They were nice people. They, they treated them like family. And that really is just a way to kind of hush, hush, hush on the cruelty that slavery was. So can you talk a little bit about how Christianity was used um, to, as an excuse to keep uh, people like Mariah enslaved? Yeah, I mean, it was used often. And I, especially when I tell Mariah's story, you know, I always have at least one person who's like, well, but the family that enslaved her treated her like family. And I'm like, did they? Cause mm. I'm sure they taught their children how to read. Mm. And when their kids were adults, they could leave. So it's not like family. Right. It's not like family. Um, and the laws don't protect them like family. If somebody is abusing their child, you know, the the law, the powers that be are like, hey, let's not do that. Um, yeah. There's there's no protection. And I think that that's something that people don't realize or like take in is that the law doesn't offer any protection for these people. And so it's all up to how kind or how cruel enslavers would like to be. We live in a country that's founded on principles of liberty and founded on principles of dignity and founded on principles that that liberty and dignity should be protected. Um, And then you have a whole class of people whose liberty and dignity is not protected. Um, And so I think a lot of times, you know, people read Ephesians and they see like slaves obey your masters or they read Leviticus and they see um, laws for enslavement. 
But in Exodus, God is really clear that the penalty for man stealing is death. Mm-hmm. And man stealing is the founding principle of American chattel slavery. Um, also, slavery in the Bible is not based on ideas of inherent inferiority of certain races of people because race is a social construct that was invented after the Bible was even written. Mm -hmm. And so American slavery is just this completely different beast. And um, a lot of times people would use the Bible to justify things that um, the Bible didn't even have in view when it was written as far as the, um, and when I say didn't have in view, I don't mean as far as um, morality laws. I mean, as far as like legislative realities. Yeah. And then you also mentioned, which I thought was interesting as well, is like we we know because we've seen them in this history says that a lot of people would remove passages from scripture to let if they were going to let their slaves mm-hmm. read the Bible, they would take stuff out. And that does also they doesn't would. go with like, oh, this is something that God would agree with, you know, and so there's that as well. Yeah, Exodus, the same place that talks about man stealing, Exodus, is also the place that talks about Moses. And that was not in um, that was not in view. That was mm-hmm. not a, that was not something that was that was preached and encouraged. Yeah. Whenever I have conversations like this, it always is so, I, I don't know what the word is, I'm not intriguing. It is, I'm in, I literally am in awe of God and I am in awe of the way that he draws people to him in spite of their circumstances. Because it, it would not make sense for Mariah to love God at all. Growing up, seeing people who proclaim the love of Jesus, I'm not doubting if her people love Jesus, proclaiming it, but also enslaving people. Those two just have a hard time. I would have a hard time putting them together in my brain. And so many um, people who were enslaved faithfully loved God. Tell me what that Mm -hmm. feels like for you. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it took a lot of understanding how the enslaved and how the emancipated viewed the salvation of their enslavers. This is not me making a comment either one way or the other, but common consensus was they ain't slaves. They they ain't saved. Because because they're enslaved? The the consensus of enslaved people towards their enslavers was they're not saved. Because they're like, like, how would you? Yeah, they're like, how could you be? This is not. Right. And so that's like. Understandably. That understood that. Right. When I read that and understood that, I was like, oh, this is how. Because, you know, you often talk about like, oh, like how I, I would see. think that all the time. Like, how can they have this faith? And they'd be like, because we have it. They don't. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, I think I think I don't remember or I didn't I was never taught that slavery existed in, in Africa before it ever touched America, even though geographically. duh. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I was never taught that some of the people who came over from um, the kingdom of Congo had already been exposed to Catholicism in the 1615 and mm-hmm. 1600s. And so some of the people that are brought over on slave ships were already Christian. For sure. Because, um, I, mean, they're, they're, I mean, Christianity was so close to Northern right. Africa. I mean, yeah. Right. Um, and so, and had made its way down, right? right. It had trickled down into Western Africa. And so I think, I think a lot of the time I would think of slavery as being this thing that was owned by white Americans that was then passed to the enslaved, that the enslaved then took and believed in spite of the hypocrisy of their enslavers. But I had to shift my focus to say that Christianity is not owned by anyone. It's not, it's not owned by these these white people it's not even owned by the black people if if god is true then he can reveal himself to all different kinds of people and so why would his revelation be limited by the hypocrisy of a certain group of people the problem isn't christianity the problem is the people who are practicing it and i think that the enslaved 
understood that um, and articulated that a lot. There's a lot of slave narratives that talk about the difference between the Christianity of the Bible and the Christianity of America. In fact, Frederick Douglass, um, he had to write an appendix to his autobiography because people were like, dude, you were like super hardcore against Christianity. He's like, oh, no, I'm not. I love the Christianity of the Bible. I hate the He called it the women whipping, mm. cradle plundering Christianity of the South. Wow. I love that, Jasmine. And I'm going to be thinking about the last two minutes of this conversation for a long time, just so you know, because even in my question to you, well, I believe everything you just said as well. But even in my question to you, I'm assuming that enslaved people are hearing about Jesus from the people who are enslaving them. And really the reality is like a lot of them have already been exposed to faith in their home country. And um, that's really, really good. Thank you for that. Okay, so Mariah, I wanna talk about what do you see? How do you see God's hand in her life and the character of God throughout her life? She's the easiest, right? She's like one of the easiest people to see. Um, her and Amanda Berry Smith are everybody's favorite because you can just so see God's hand in their lives because of the ministry work that they did. Um, but Mariah is amazing because she was born in Alabama where it was illegal to teach both enslaved and free black people how to read. Wow. So literacy was legislated for enslaved and free black people in Alabama. There weren't a lot of free black people in Alabama, but the ones who were free could not read. Yeah. Um, and she ended up being born in, in, that, in that country, in that state, and then going to a foreign country and translating, helping to translate the Bible into the language of what we would call an unreached people group so that they could read the Bible in their own language. And I just love that picture of, Gosh. again, you know, some 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 enslaved people um, picked up Christianity from their own country. Some of them did hear about it from, yeah. from their enslavers and had to figure out how to discern the difference between what they were being taught from the pulpit about mm -hmm. the character of God when it came to what God thought of them and what they were able to discern for themselves. And Mariah, a beautiful example of somebody who discerned the truth and spread it far and wide. Mm. And I love that. I love that the gospel was not constrained by the hypocrisy of the people who owned her. You know what? People think deconstructing just started in, in 2020. Uh, people have been deconstructing the faith that they heard from people for the for, for ages and ages and ages. Am I right? <laughs> they have. There's uh, there's this one. I wish I knew. Remembered his name and his in his um autobiography he was like it was amazing because like these enslaved people would hear like a white minister and they were able to discern the difference between what he was saying and like what god was saying it just was that's like, the there holy was spirit too parsing. i mean yes. yes there was this parsing going on he just he preserves his people and he gives he gives them what they need that is he keeps he keeps the faith alive yes yes he does that is that is um it's beautiful and it's encouraging as well. Um, okay, so we've gotten to the end of our four, ladies. If you missed the last two, go back and listen to the show on Wednesday. All of these are from Jasmine's book, Carved in Ebony. And I I originally wanted to <laughs> do four episodes with you, but I think I was like, you know what? We should leave some women to, they got to go read the book to figure out about them. So I'm happy that, that we did too. But I, I want to finish off today's show asking you what you're reading. And then I want to talk about a new project that you have. So what are you reading? You told us two amazing books last week that you, have read and you just finished so what else and i know you're reading more so what else are you reading jamie wants to know jamie wants to know we want to know what you're reading 
I am. Um, right now I'm reading a book called Wild Blood. It is by the same author of, um, oh, I'm totally, I'm totally blanking. So I need to think of it and I'll, I'll text you. But she wrote a Jamaican, like, not Jamaican. This is Jamaican. The one Wild Blood is Jamaican. But it's an Ethiopi- Ethiopian mythology retelling of Jane Eyre. Okay. Years ago, it's a young adult book, and so I read it. Well, within these wicked walls, that's what it's called. Within and it's young these, adult. Like, walls. It's young adult. Um, it's it's dark. It's it's Jane Eyre, right? So it's like creepy. Okay. Um, but I read that last year, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so now I'm reading her next book, Wild Blood, which comes out um this month. I think when this podcast comes out, it'll be like, I think it com- I think it comes out the week that this podcast comes okay. out. Okay. Um, but I'm reading it right now, and it's just a it's a crazy twisty turny fantasy goodness coolness goodness um okay i'm 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 going to read every book that you that you tell me that you're reading because i would like that but i i want to talk to you about this you have something that you're doing called reading everybody black and uh challenge and you are doing this challenge on instagram and in your own life and the way that you uh, interact with the people that you get to lead and follow and influence that you influence Tell me what reading everybody black is because I'm gonna be real honest with you. I, I want to be a part of this challenge, but I'm in and all in and out of Instagram so often because I, I need some discipline in my life and I, I like go through phases where I'm like I hate Instagram, I love oh, Instagram. I so tell me how I join you in this challenge and what it is. Yeah, it's a challenge with so it has twenty four categories. This year we divided it into twelve fiction prompts and twelve nonfiction prompts. And so you just read. Um, some people are doing both the fiction and the nonfiction. I am. Some people are doing just the fiction. Most people are doing just the fiction. Um, and then like two people are doing just the nonfiction and those are my people. But um, <laughs> it's just reading more black authors. And the, the point is not like that you don't read any other authors. Like I said, I've read 10 books this year and a lot of them have fit into this challenge. A couple of them haven't. Yeah. Um, but just to read more black authors, just to read more black voices. Um, and so, yeah, the prompts are things like something young adult, something middle grade, um, something fantasy, something about family, something about romance. I love me a young adult romance. I didn't date when I was a teenager. So young adult romances, I'm just like, oh, I need you to send so me, just text me all the appropriate young adult romances because I walk into the library or I don't go to the library. Who am I kidding? I walk into the bookstore and it's like young adult romances. And I'm like, I have no idea what my daughter's about to read in this. Um, yes. There's a book right now. You gotta be careful with adult or young adult. I know there's a book. Not- there's an author out right now that a lot of my friends are reading. And I read one of her books this summer and I'm not better than anyone else, but I've just decided not to read her books anymore because it's a little too much for me. But all stories friends mm-hmm. are reading these books that my adult yeah. friends are reading that I've decided not to yeah. read. And so I've had to have a conversation with her and now she feels like a loser because all her friends are reading this book and her mom's not and her mom won't let her. So I'm like, if I could find some appropriate young adult romance books. She has to read Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling. Done. I'm Anything just- by Elise Bryant. Okay. It's so, because it's so sweet. There's no sex. That's what I want. It's just, it's so sweet. There's like a little language because I'm fine with language, but it's, more than I am sex. So it's so sweet. It's just, and it's about two, they're black nerds. And I love it. I wish I had this when I was a teenager. She's in a punk rock band and he plays Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, I love this. <laughs> I love You're this. like, this is I me. <laughs> I was like, this is me. This is the weird, the 
weird black kids or people call them Oreos and all this stuff and they deal with all this stuff and they fall in love but it takes a whole year and I'm just like oh okay it's so sweet Amazon here I come I'm getting all of these books I'll put them all in the show notes for all of you to read but I, I want to also say like you're not just throwing out prompts to people you're also giving them here's some recommended books that you should check out so so everyone yeah I try to do that yeah yeah you, you're doing a great job of that because it because if I'm left to my own I'm like I don't know what is this good is this bad and so you really are giving a lot of recommendations so tell us your Instagram handle so everyone can follow you Jasmine L. Holmes Jasmine L. Holmes. And when this show comes out, mm-hmm. I'll be talking about you all day. And so I'll definitely be able to, you'll be able to find her Instagram from there. Um, okay, last thing before we go is last week, you released the newest book. And so the books we've been talking about are not your newest, but I wanted to chat with you about them forever ago. So here we are. But you just released a new book last week. So tell us about it. It's called Never Cast Out. And it's about how the gospel, the gospel puts an end to the story of shame. Mm-hmm. And it is very different for me. Um, very different for me. It's about shame and it's about my experience of shame and how I've been able to have victory in my life over shame. Not complete victory because I'm not in heaven yet, but that's really good. Levels, I, levels of victory. <laughs> I am excited about reading your book because Oftentimes when authors are writing, you see some of what they're writing about, even if they don't tell you, come through in their online world. And I could probably remember when you were working on this because I saw a lot of your Instagram around shame and I was so encouraged and convicted and um, all of the things in that period of you posting on Instagram. So I can't wait to dive into the book. It was not my idea to write it. It was um, one of the editors at B&H who, like you said, had heard me, had seen me write write other things. I had never directly directly written about shame, but she was like, I, I feel like this matters to you. And yeah. I was like, that's the Holy Spirit. So yeah. Do you have another project you're working on? I do. I have a book coming out um, in September called Crown with Glory, and it's another history book. So excited. Okay, well, then you just might be back on again to talk about all of your books. Um, I love it. Jasmine, I love eating tacos with you and I love having you on the happy hour. So I'm so grateful for two episodes this week all about uh, really just amazing women who faithfully followed God and made a difference with the little they had, the much they had, whatever they had um, in a time where they were going upstream. And so I'm really grateful to know more about these women and have um, their stories uh, in my heart. And so grateful, grateful, grateful. Thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thank you for having me. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivey, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.